Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. As we approach uh, Scripture, we do so best in the spirit of prayer, of course. So join me in praying. Help me to pray. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. You alone, O Lord, are holy. Come and fill our hearts with your peace. Alleluia. Holy God, open us to your word as we find it in John's gospel, and might it find a root in our heart, and might our lives live your word in the world. We ask it in the name of Jesus the Christ, in the power of your Holy Spirit, and the people of God together say, Amen. Abide in me, Jesus says, as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love." If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Last week I preached last week's sermon. I rushed away here and I went to the Windsor of Savoy and preached the same sermon that you all heard. And I told our friends over at the Windsor of Savoy that the sermon I was going to preach was a sermon they had heard many times before. Oh, not literally, not exactly, of course, because I wrote it from scratch. But the message was a message they had heard many, many, many times before. And so I asked them to do a little math with me. I wanted to find out how many sermons they had listened to in their entire lives. And so I asked, what's the average age in this room? And somebody said, 90. And somebody said, no, 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 it's 88. And I said, okay. So how many times have you worshipped uh, per year on average, would you say? And one fellow says, well, 10 times a year. And I said, oh, you've done better than that, haven't you? And other people said 30 times a year. And that includes, you know, services of worship and weddings and funerals. 30 times a year on average times 88 times means they had been in church 2,640 times, which is 748 hours of preaching. 
They were impressed. They were impressed. And I said to them, a high percentage of the sermons you've heard have had this very same message that I'm going to share with you today. And the the message from last week was, of course, love is the answer. Love is the answer. You've heard that many times. Any preacher, I think, worth his or her salt would, would come, would arrive to that conclusion in many sermons because it seems to be at the crux of what Jesus was saying in his ministry. So we can all agree that love is the answer. The trick, which I didn't answer last week, and of course I can't answer ever, but the trick is how is love the answer? How do we put that love into action? And I'd like to try to play with that question a little bit. How do we put love into action? How, in fact, is love the answer? It might seem that because the world's problems never seem to go away, that love is an anemic answer or a theoretical or theological answer. But love, in fact, is not very practical. Problems persist. Um, Relationships continue to be fragile and break. Um, Difficulties arise from season to season to season. So love maybe isn't really a good answer. Maybe love is a hallmark sort of card thing where love is a warm, fuzzy feeling. So I asked last week, how is love the answer? And I got an answer to that right after the sermon. A person came to me and gave me permission to share this story, but said to me that that he had an exchange with somebody about wearing masks, and it became a conversation about politics. And this, the woman said that I'm a real Trump fan, and he says, well, I'm not a real Trump fan. And they argued a little bit about that. And they said, we're never going to resolve this, are we? And they said, no. But they agreed they were going to love each other anyway. Love is the answer. And that was an example of putting love into practice. Mutual forbearance. That's what that was. Mutual forbearance. That is agreeing to disagree. That's a theologically important part of our Presbyterian heritage. In 1788, the Synod of New York and Philadelphia wrote that into the Constitution of the Church, and it's been in the Constitution ever since. Let me read you the passage. We believe there are truths and forms with respect to which people of good characters and principles may differ. And in all these, we think it the duty both of private Christians and societies to exercise, here's the word, mutual forbearance toward each other. It's part of who we are as Presbyterians. My friend, my late friend Johnny Underwood would add, we can disagree without being disagreeable. That's one way to put love into action. Love is the answer, and one example of making making that active is that we exercise mutual forbearance towards one another. Sometimes we agree to disagree and we love each other anyway. But loving one another by exercising mutual forbearance is increasingly difficult. America has a scorn problem. That's what uh, an Episcopal priest Tish Harrison Warren says, she writes um, about matters of faith for the New York Times. 
And she quotes a Scientific American report. I'll read it to you. A Scientific American report on political polarization noted that Americans increasingly hold a basic abhorrence for their opponents and othering in which a group conceives of its rivals as wholly alien in every way. The report continues, This toxic form of polarization has fundamentally altered political discourse, public civility, and even the way politicians govern. And then they cited a Pew study from 2019, which said 55% of Republicans, listen to this, 55% of Republicans say Democrats are more immoral when compared with other Americans. 47% of Democrats say the same thing about Republicans. In other words, we find each other repugnant. We aren't agreeing to disagree, but we are, are putting one another in camps where the reprobates are over there. And the reprobates are anybody who doesn't think the way I think, because, of course, I'm morally right, and they're um, devils. (laughs) So, So it goes with where we are with this vast polarization. We have a scorn problem, exercising mutual forbearance, loving one another despite the things that make us different, despite the things we vehemently disagree on, Loving one another is increasingly difficult. It is revolutionary that we do love one another, that we do agree to disagree, that we do sit next to one another in the lunchroom, that we do dare to talk about the things that divide us, that we can laugh at one another, and that we can agree to disagree. We all look the same in our swimming suits. We all look uh, undignified eating spaghetti. We can agree to disagree. We can exercise mutual forbearance towards one another. Or we can try, though it's increasingly difficult to do so. If Jesus is the vine and we are the branches, then we are brothers and sisters with one another. We belong together. We were meant to be together. We live together. We grow together. The shootings this week... uh, And last week, the the shooting in Dallas of the three or five Asian women at a hairdresser in Dallas, the shooting in Buffalo at the grocery store, the the racially targeted shooting there, the terrible shooting at the Geneva Presbyterian Church in Laguna Hills uh, where one was killed and five were shot, Um, and the shootings downtown in Milwaukee uh, a week ago Saturday, They, they beg us to ask, how is love the answer? How do we love ourselves through this sort of crisis, this sort of danger? Mutual forbearance is one way, of course, but what are other ways we can love one another? What are other ways our love has legs? I would suggest if we don't know how to put love into gear, we aren't thinking clearly enough. Our anxiety has risen to the point that our thinking has just gotten very small and low and ineffectual. When we breathe and the anxiety comes down and our thinking goes up, there are many ways, myriad ways, our love finds action. And I'd like to explore some ways with you this morning. 
One is we can support public education. I'm going to talk about these in a minute. Number two, we can support um, mental health. This is Mental Health Awareness Month. Number three, we can have a conversation with our neighbors about gun violence, about gun control, uh, about um, safety. What does safety mean? We can talk about gun laws. We can talk about the Second Amendment. We can have that talk. That would be slippery and tricky, wouldn't it? But we can. We, we can without fear. Number four, we can talk about race. Number five, we can deepen our support of all of our mission partners in this church, internationally and locally. Especially, I would say, let's support Dreamhouse. Number six, there are six million things. But what do you think the last thing is that I, I'd, I'd like to say we can do to put love into action? Maybe the most obvious thing. What, what do you think that is? We can give your pastor a raise. <laughs> we can pray. We can pray. Christians pray. Talk about a revolutionary activity. We can pray. There are some, these are some ways in the midst of such violence in our country that we can put the, the walk in the talk of our love. Yes, love is the answer, but we are agents of God's love and grace in this world. In this world. And as disciples of Jesus the Christ, we're to find hands and feet to make that love tangible. Allow me to return to that list I just shared you. We can sort, support public education. All education is good. Homeschooling and private schools, it's all good. It's all necessary and good. But when it comes to reaching most of our young people, public education is the way we do that. Too many other people can't afford uh, a private education or they can't, they don't live in a, a home in which they can be offered homeschooling. So public education has to work. Public education must work. I think of that shooter, that 18-year-old boy who killed those people in, in uh, Buffalo, and I wonder, did he have a coach or a school nurse or a math teacher who took the extra time, who was able somehow to break through to him, to remind him he was a child of God and beloved, and yes, it's hard growing up, and yes, having mean thoughts is normal, um, but channeling that energy into something more positive... Did he have somebody like that? Maybe he did. Maybe he had a dozen of them or did not have any. Public education must work, and we can support it. We can tutor kids. We can coach soccer. We can support public schools. Number two, we can support mental health. Mental health, it's increasingly difficult for people without money to find resources for mental health. And since the church has is not a place where, where people flock to, where they can get to know their pastor or friends in the congregation. Where do people go for mental health? And the stigma that goes along with mental health. So this is Mental Health Awareness Month, and we can raise awareness about the challenges of those living with mental health difficulties. We know somebody in our family who struggles with it. We may struggle with it. There's nothing wrong with that. It's about brain chemistry. How we respond to that, that's the trick. We can respond with love and graciousness, and we can make resources available in our community. Support mental health. We can have conversations about gun violence. Who wants to do that? 
I don't, to be honest. It's such a sticky wicket. But we can get beyond some of the cliches that guns don't kill people, people kill people. Well, that's true, I suppose. But we can get beyond that and deepen the conversation and dare to meet with somebody whom we know thinks a little differently than we do. But somebody who's really smart, that we love and care about. Could we have coffee and talk about gun violence? Can we ask why did the, the red flag law in New York, why did it not work in this case? What laws do we have that are being undersupported? Do we need other laws? Do we need to give all of our guns away? Do we all need to stock up? If we lose the Second Amendment, do we lose the First Amendment? These are good questions. The conversation makes us so anxious, though, that we're ready to knock each other on the head with our coffee cups before we've gotten into the third sentence. We can have these conversations, not like missionaries out to change somebody's point of view, but like Christian disciples who are curious, hoping to broaden our perspective about these things in the hopes that together we can somehow move to a place that's better. Gun violence, by the way, is not something out there, is it? Gun violence in Champaign uh, County uh, has been high and out of control. Um, the newspaper reported this from the Journal of Pediatrics, and they said that a, a number of young, the number of young people carrying a handgun was 40% higher during the years 2015 to 2017, 41% higher than it was for the period prior to that, 2006 to 2000, excuse me, 2002 to 2006. Is that a good thing that our young people are walking around with loaded weapons? Probably not. We can have a conversation about gun violence. We can do it. And you know what? We'll survive that conversation with one another. And yes, we might sweat. And yes, it might be uncomfortable. But we can have it. We can talk about race. We can talk about race. You know, if you're black or Asian or Jewish or if you're an immigrant or if you're transgender or lesbian or gay or queer, you are at a substantially higher risk of being shot by a young, angry, right-wing white man. It's a fact. It's a fact. So we can talk about... about about race, about replacement theory, about the divisiveness of race, about our, our misunderstanding or our lack of understanding about race. It's a slippery thing. It's difficult. Um, white people especially probably need to be talking about race. That's another difficult conversation. Listen, if you want to have a conversation with me, I don't want to talk about gun violence and race at the same meeting, okay? That's just too much. It's too much. But necessary. Let's have those conversations. We can support the mission programs locally that we already support. You know, these things are tr these programs we do, 8, 12, 13, local missions, um, urban restoration ministry, courage connection, etc. These things are changing the world for, for one, two, three, four people at a time. Safe House has transformed lives over uh, decades. These things matter, and we've been supporting them with our dollars and with our prayers and with our volunteers. Don had breakfast at Safe House. We bring a gallon of milk every Friday, I think, either every week or every other week. 
It's a simple thing he could do, coming alongside these men who are taking it day by day. Today, this morning, I'm sober. That's my decision. I hope I make the same decision this afternoon or this evening or tomorrow, but tomorrow's another day, one day at a time. We support these ministries. It's a good thing. Dream House is something that I care very much about. There's a school-to-prison pipeline for our young people who are at risk, particularly in this area, people of color. They go from school and they get into trouble and they end up in juvie or they end up in prison. Dream seeks to disrupt that pipeline with an opportunity pipeline surrounding kids from 3 to 24 years old with mentors who matter, who who are trauma-informed, who care about their doing homework together and learning manners and playing basketball. Speaking of basketball, on Tuesday, if you tried uh, to, to get into church to drop off a check, you could not have made it through the doors. Because the whole parking lot was filled with moms and dads picking up their kids from Dream and then another bunch of people going downstairs in Centennial Hall learning about the new basketball program sponsored by Dream. Our campus was alive and you were helping to pay for that. You were helping to pay for the utilities that makes this a safe place for our community to gather. We can support our our mission, local mission, including Dream. That's one way. One powerful way that you have put love into action for 172 years. Keep it up. Keep it up. The contributions may seem small and insignificant. I think they matter. That sixth thing is prayer. We're going to do that in a second. If we think that loving the world only means having occasional warm thoughts about one another, I think that's what love means, but I think love means more than that. Love is the answer, but that means we put the pedal to the metal and get moving. We get going. If we don't know how to put love into gear, I don't think we're thinking well enough. I just mentioned six things, but you can mention 600 things that are appropriate and authentic for you to do. Think of those things and do those things and don't wait. Don't put it off. Live it. Our hope and our help is in Jesus. Jesus says, abide in me. The branch cannot make it without the vine. The the disciple can't make it without the teacher. Love can't make it when it is cut off from its source. Abide in me, Jesus says. Walk humbly. Walk closely. Dare to love the world in the name and in the manner of Jesus. We can do it. We must do it. With God's help, we are. We are. And we will. Now let's pray. Grant unto us, O God, the fullness of your promises, we pray. Where we have been weak, grant us strength. Where we have been confused, grant us guidance. Where we have been distraught, grant us comfort. Where we have been dead, grant us life. Apart from you, O Lord, we are nothing. In and with you, we can do all things. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you.
Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week. Thank you.